Welcome to the message podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. Make sure you join us each Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road and a new campus in East Rockingham at 414 Southeast Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, at our Harrisonburg campus, we have a Spanish campus that meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. Check out our website, cotnaz.org, for more information. Thanks again for being here to worship with us this morning. My name is Jared. I'm the campus pastor here at the East Rock Campus Church of the Nazarene. I'm so glad you're here uh, this day after Christmas. Um, I just I have a little bit of an honest question for you, and you might better relate to this. Is it too soon to start thinking about summer vacation? Huh? I mean, you know, like all the things, like like longer days, warmer weather, shorts. I mean, I know some of y'all wear shorts all year. I, I, I love you. I don't understand you, but I, I get it. But you see that, that whole thing, like, is it too soon to start thinking about that vacation at the lake? Like, I've already, like, found myself there, I, <laughs> right? Like, some of y'all are already thinking about summer break, and you haven't even gone back from Christmas. Y'all go to school like I did. But you start to think about vacation, right? Like, I've already been thinking about how I can get my Blackstone griddle to Lake Anna for our family vacation so I can do four pounds of bacon at a time. Like, real logistical issues, okay? You start thinking about these things. Like, man, can my buddy come over with his side-scan Lawrence and we can start trying to find the stripers on Lake Anna during that week? Like, all the important details. Is it too soon <laughs> the day after Christmas? Like, you know, the trouble with vacation is that, like, we can even start now anticipating and, and thinking about and making plans, and, and, and we see that so much ahead of time. For months, we're longing and expecting, and that trip finally arrives, right? And, like, day one, even packing the bags is joy, right? The traffic, it doesn't matter because you're going to vacation. But yet you arrive there, and by the end of that week, even before it's over, you feel this, this shift, Right? You feel this shift of a little bit of letdown. Like you're still on vacation. You still got a day and a half to go, but you start to feel this creeping feeling, don't you? Have you ever been there? You start to feel that letdown a little bit. Even if it was an epic adventure, if you found all and fried all the bacon you had, or it was the perfect blend of adventure and snacks and naps, like whatever it is, that feeling keeps coming. If we're honest, isn't the day after Christmas a little bit like that? Just a little bit, like this feeling of, of letdown, or you, you feel a little bit of fog maybe come in. All the planning, all the preparations. I, I went back this morning and looked through my calendar. We had our first Christmas meeting uh, as a pastoral staff at the church back in August. We started planning for this season. And it's been going on ever since, and now in just what seems like a moment, the season has passed us. Around my house, I have this saying that admittedly probably drives my wife nuts. But I often will say or ask this rhetorical question, what are we going to do now? Now, you can't enunciate all the, all the parts. So you go, what are we going to do now? And it's just that sense of, of what are we going to do? What's next? And, and I understand, and, I, and for me, it's, it's this day after Christmas, this season of we've been through so many things, so many great highs and experienced so many things, and now it's, sense of letdown almost. What are we going to do now? Christmas is 364 days away. 
But we have to press on, don't we? Like we can't just stay here. Maybe you're with me in that feeling today too. Maybe Christmas was amazing. Maybe you've had all the celebrations. You got to give some pretty cool gifts. Maybe a couple gag gifts like the duct tape one that nobody can open. You had lots of good laughs. But it's over. It's over. Maybe there was a sense of letdown that's made even a little bit worse this Christmas season because this Christmas was the first one maybe without a loved one. Or maybe this Christmas for you was marked by grief or illness. Maybe that only serves to make it worse because the reality is that Christmas, all the anticipation, all the expectation, it can sometimes put a spotlight on areas in our lives that we would just as soon leave alone off to the side. As we've gathered here today, this day after Christmas, can we make room just to be honest with ourselves? Honest with one another, especially the people we rode to church with this morning. Like, can we just be honest about how we feel in these moments? We're not alone in this. I, in, in preparing for today, I, I found studies where this holiday blues, this letdown phenomenon is a studied and verified fact. Experts suggest that some 64% of people will struggle with these feelings in this season. And some of those symptoms will include depression or fatigue or feelings of sadness or loneliness. Even difficulty concentrating. Can I get an amen? We're not alone in this. Today, can, as we share an honest moment together about our feelings, can we also be honest before the Lord? We're in a safe space here today as family, as God's kids, to just come before him and ask the honest question, Lord, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? I think in these moments, at these threshold moments throughout our year, throughout our lives, it can be a, a good time, an important opportunity for us to get a few things, a few important things nailed down. Perhaps on the doorstep of a new year today is an opportunity to narrow our focus. Maybe to understand a little better what's our purpose and what are our goals? What are our goals? The Bible is rich with truth that will help us understand and discern our focus, our purpose, and our goals. And I invite you today to turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, and within Philippians we find the Apostle Paul. He was kind of the first apostle to the Gentiles. He's going out and he's spreading the news of Jesus all around the Roman land and telling good news. And it didn't always go easy for him. He had a lot of difficulties, a lot of trials. But within chapter 3 of the book of Philippians, he, he's sharing from some of his wisdom, some of his experience, and yes, some of the down times that he faced, just how to regain focus, how to find purpose and keep our eyes fixed on the goal. So as we dive in today, can we pray together as we open God's word? Father in heaven, we come before you today grateful, Lord, for the gift of life, Lord, for this Christmas season, for the highs, and yes, Lord, that you are with us in the lows. And Lord, as we dive into your word today, will you help us to see, help us to discern what you would have us to do now? Lord, can we have honest moments to just be honest with our family, our friends, our kids? And yes, Lord, before you about how we might be feeling, what we might be processing, Lord. May today just be a point of transparency and healing in your kingdom. Lord, we invite you here, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So Philippians chapter 3, we're going to pick up in verse 10, the Apostle Paul's writing. It says, I want to know Christ. 
Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Now, Paul here is a man with a singular focus. In just five words, he has stated his whole life focus, what his life is all about. I want to know Christ. What a great place for us to begin today, to to refocus on that one thing that must be true in every one of our lives. I want to know Christ. That must be our focus. Even in these mixed emotions, these mixed feelings of Christmas, our focus must narrow in on Christ Jesus. Pastor Sam Montanez, he is the pastor of our INF campus, our Spanish-speaking congregation there in Harrisonburg. He has a very wise saying that I hear him repeat often. He says this, he says, our focus, our focus is a very limited resource. We must take care to steward that resource well. Did you catch the depth of that? Did you catch that? Our focus is a very limited resource. We must take care to steward that resource well. Now, Pastor Sam is not saying that we're scatterbrains, though we might self-identify as that. But what he's rather pointing out and acknowledging is that what has our attention, what has our focus, tends to guide our lives. It tends to influence every aspect of the decisions we make day in and day out. And so for us today, we must take care in the middle of what may be a letdown on this threshold of a new year. We must take care to narrow our focus on the right things. My tendency in these moments is to just put my mind on the next thing, right? Like Christmas has been the thing here for a few months now, but just in this moment of what are we going to do, what, what now is to just grab that next thing. Like for our family, like my focus is already beginning to shift on finishing the remodel work at our house. It's like just all the things, like we, we got to get the bathtub installed, couldn't find it, had to order it off Amazon. We got to get the drywall done, the tile work, you know, it just goes on and on and our mind becomes consumed by these things. It can be a lot of different things. It might be your New Year's resolution that you're planning on. It might be a career change. It could be paying down that credit card bill that's coming from this Christmas season, right? Now, there's not necessarily anything wrong with paying attention to these things. It's it's a part of our experience. But if we miss out as God's people on the call to focus on Christ, we're going to find ourselves barreling down the road towards another disappointment because our focus has been shifted perhaps in the wrong direction. Paul says adamantly, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. That's Paul's singular focus. And if you would unpack the original Greek there, he's saying, I want to know. That's not just to know the name Jesus, not just how to spell it, not just the scriptures, but to experience his life within him. That's the desire and his focus. And that's our call today, friends. It's not just to know about Jesus, not to just recite the Christmas story, but to experience him in our hearts and in our lives. As we defiantly narrow our focus on Jesus, on experiencing him, we can begin to clearly discern our life purpose. The why behind all of the other what that we find ourselves in. Let's pick back up in Philippians 3 at verse 12 today. 
Paul says, not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward towards what is ahead. With his focus, with Paul's focus here on experiencing Christ, he has so clearly discerned that the whole purpose of his life is framed in and out of and through that experience of Jesus. Whether he finds himself in a Roman jail cell or out on a lone road, he understands that his purpose is found in experiencing Jesus. And he says, I press on to take hold. And he's bringing in this imagery here of, of a sprinter striving and giving all they have to attain that next prize, to lean in and give it everything they have. And that imagery can even be of a hunter pursuing and chasing their game. But you have this idea that everything is leveraged. I'm leaning in. I'm bent over pursuing Christ. That's the picture Paul is painting for us today. His purpose is to know him more intimately, to know his purpose and plan for every day. Even in the midst of that dark, damp, and smelly Roman jail cell, Paul can say, I know what my purpose is through Christ Jesus. Paul says, one thing I do. Now, when man that wrote 13 books of our Bible says, one thing I do, we, we ought to tune in a little bit. He says, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead. That's such a powerful statement because Paul used to hunt down and kill Christians and now he is one. There was a myriad of things in his past, unlimited regrets that could have thrown him off course, off the fulfillment of God's call for his life. Shame and guilt would have haunted him in those moments, trying to disqualify him from his calling. And the reality is Paul couldn't erase those things from his mind any more than we can totally forget our past. But we don't have to give our past power anymore. You may have heard the saying, all the king's horses and all the king's men can't put the past back together again. So let's remember, don't try to saw sawdust. You ever heard that before? So here's this idea that trying to rewrite the past is futile. We can't do it but we don't have to continue to give it power over our present. We can give the past to Christ. Under his grace and under his mercy, we can have a different future, not defined by our past. But our focus on Christ will clarify our purpose as we press on and press in to that one thing. Paul here is not only stressing the importance of forgetting the past, of stripping of it its power, but he's emphasizing the importance of taking the next step. Because in these cloud-over moments, these feelings of letdown, like the recliner seems like the best spot, doesn't it? Like, can I just have a minute? Can I just stay here? Paul says, no, 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 we, we've got to press on. We've got to press on. Let's continue in our text today in verse 14. He says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I press on towards the goal. 
One of my favorite hobbies used to be mowing grass. Now, I know for some of you that, like, makes me so weird, maybe even more weird than before. It's okay. We'll journey together. But there are a few things more satisfying than laying down the perfect stripes in the yard, right? Some of y'all are really lost at this point. <laughs> You're thinking, how can you enjoy mowing grass? But it's one of those things. You know the ones where you get a shiny strip and a dark strip and a shiny strip and a dark strip? Oh, it just looks so good. I love that. You can literally get on Google Earth. I don't know whether I should be ashamed of this or not. You can get on Google Earth and look at my former address and see the stripes in the yard. Okay, You can see from outer space my obsession with a yard. But there was a secret, there was a trick to how you get those lines straight. And we know we got to alternate directions to get the light and the dark stripes. But if you were just looking down at your tire at that next where you had just mown, if you were looking right here, you just fishtailed all over the yard. But yet, if you could fix your eye across the yard, if you could find out where that tire needed to hit on the other side of the yard, you could make straight lines that even Google Earth will appreciate. That's a little bit of the image that Paul is giving us here within this text. He's helping us to see that where our focus is is where our direction is headed. Where our goal is fixed is where our lives are going to end up. That's the beauty biblically of pressing on in Christ Jesus is that we fix our eyes on the right goals that will guide our lives. Yes, there may be some bumps on the zero turn along the way and some fishtail marks, but our course is going to be set by where our eyes are fixed. What's your goal today? What's your goal today? Paul had numerous reasons to be depressed. Plenty of reasons to change the course of his life. He could, have, he could have just gone back to being a tent maker, honestly. He could have just slipped back into the trades and stopped making trouble for Jesus and had a much simpler life. But that was not his goal. That's not what he had given his life to. His goal his one thing, his one focus, his one purpose was the heavenward call of Christ Jesus in his life to spend eternity with Christ in heaven. It's so easy to lose focus on eternity, isn't it? To let that reality that we're living in right now. It's easy for that reality to slip away from us because the temporal things consume so much of our time, so much of our focus, so much of our energy, right? Like we get consumed by surviving one day at a time. Our, our gaze goes from being fixed down afar afield to just right here. Lord, how do I get through today? We've got to make sure one kid gets to practice, one kid gets to school. We've got to make sure the bills get paid. Don't forget the electric bill. We've got to make sure the grass gets mowed. We have all these things that are right here. It's so easy to miss eternity and it's passing by us so quickly so quickly I have this other saying that I occasionally use around the house it may be one of those busy weeks it's one of those seasons of life where honestly all we can manage is to look right here at the things that are before us right in this moment and we'll make all the plans and all the things and you know we've just we've just written off a month because every weekend's got something in it have you been there you get to that point, and I'll just look at my wife and say, and that's how we wake up one day and we're 80. 
I mean, that, it, right? You get what I'm saying, though? We just plan 30 days, 90 days of our lives in just a moment because we're looking right here. And one day we're going to wake up with a lot more aches and pains and gray hair and say, what happened? What happened? And some of you already know. Some of you are thinking that, boy, you have no idea. And I don't. But I can already tell how fast eternity and time is slipping away from us. Because so much of our time and our concentration is right here. And Paul's saying, don't lose sight of the goal. Don't lose sight of eternity. Of the story, the grand redemption narrative, birthed at Christmas in Christ Jesus that says, I have come and I am coming again. Don't lose sight of that goal. Don't be so concentrated on your feet in the next step that you lose sight of where you're going. Or you won't end up in the right place. So on the heels of this Christmas, on the doorstep of a new year, let's remember the goal. Let's remember the goal. Now we're not going to forget all the things we got to do, but let's bring those things into meeting the goal of our heavenward call in Christ Jesus. Let's commit to living on purpose. To living on purpose. I think it would be okay if we shared one more Christmas story. Do we have permission to do that? It's, I mean, it's a day after, right? Give me some grace. There's a man in the Christmas story. He's kind of an aside character in a Christmas narrative. We, we don't know a lot about his story. We don't know where he came from or even what happens. Because he, he disappears from the Christmas story as fast as he appeared in it. But we can tell, even in this brief portrait of this man, that he had his focus on one thing. And he was not willing to rest. He was not willing to change the course of his life until he found fulfillment in that one thing. All the other details, we don't know much about his pressing on what the full story of his life was, but it's a fair assumption that he didn't let the past dissuade his future. He didn't spend time living in the past. But yet we know he understood the past. He understood that God was going to do a new thing. He was pointing to the future. He didn't allow the failures or the problems of his past or of his fellow nation Israel. He didn't allow those things to dissuade his hope and his focus. His eyes were fixed on the promise of God. This special man focused on the coming of Jesus long before Jesus ever arrived in that manger that man was Simeon that man was Simeon we find his story in Luke chapter 2 beginning in verse 25 it's such a short snippet in the Christmas story it says now there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon who was righteous and devout he was waiting for the consolation of Israel that's the coming of the Messiah he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Verse 27, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord! As you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. 
You get that, right? Lord, I've seen your fulfillment. You may now send me to my grave in peace. I've seen it. I've beheld the goal. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light revealed to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. As Pastor John makes his way up today, Simeon's the story of a man that had a singular focus. He had a goal. He had received word from the Lord that he would get to see the promised Messiah come. And can you imagine for a moment, here's a man who has given his entire life to waiting for this out, waiting it out in the seeming darkness, hopelessness of the Roman world. He's waiting and focused on the goal. And in walks 40-day-old baby. That's still pretty fresh in the baby's world, right? But yet within that promise, he says, my whole life is now fulfilled because I've seen the promised one of God. That's focus, friends. That's understanding the purpose at which to give your life to. And he never took his eyes off that goal. So today, whether you're in a holiday high or maybe you've already started to experience the blues a little bit, where's your focus? What's the next thing that's going to captivate you? What's the next thing that you're giving your life to, your purpose, your goal? Where are your eyes fixed across the way? Let's take a moment. Let's take as long as it takes to make sure that our focus is on experiencing Christ Jesus. Maybe that will mean you need to take a day away, and I know that sounds crazy, but take a day away to clear your mind and to hear from the Lord. Step into his word. Maybe it's a little bit of a new routine to make specific room, specific time to hear the word of the Lord. To sharpen and narrow your focus on experiencing Christ Jesus. Because as we step into his grace, as we step into his intimacy, our world is going to be reframed from that relationship with him. And so we're going to see that the purpose of our everyday life is to glorify God, whether we're just running around to appointments or trying to take care of the next thing. We can see our entire lives framed within the redemption story of God. That's something to live for. Because when we give our all to Christ Jesus and live our everyday, ordinary lives for Him, we're doing something that's going to transcend eternity. We have a goal that's far beyond what's right before our feet. We can see the prize of eternity. Christ Jesus. And we can tell our friends. We can bring our family and our friends and our co-workers. We can share that goal and that focus with them. What's your goal today? What's your goal today? Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming, Lord. 
Lord, thank you for faithful men and women who, like Simeon and Anna, the, those who are waiting for the fulfillment, God, of the moment you would break in and do a new thing. Lord, thank you for the examples that we have in Scripture of those who are pressing on, who are leaning in to you and giving you full control of their lives, God. Lord, that's what we want. Lord, to have a focus so narrowed on you, Lord Jesus, that everything we see, every conversation we have, every reaction we have is framed within our relationship with you. God, as we sit here on the threshold of a new year, with mixed emotions maybe, will you help us to narrow our focus? Lord, will you show us maybe where some daily rhythms need to be changed so we can have time with you? And Lord, through that relationship, God, will you help us to see our purpose, Lord? Fix our goal on you. So that we do not lose course by the busyness of our lives. Lord, you alone are worthy. You alone are worthy. Father, we love you. We worship you today. We come before you earnestly seeking to know you more. And it's in your name we pray. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.